It's starting to feel a little like Christmas around here. I uh, love the decorations and um, wasn't able to be here on the weekend when the decorating was taking place, but when I came here during the week and walked out here, I went, wow, Calamisa Church knows how to decorate for Christmas. There's a reason to decorate, isn't there? It's a reason to celebrate the birth of our King and our Lord, and um, I enjoy Christmas. I missed you all last weekend. I was up in Portland, Oregon for some ministry, and uh, I've got to tell you, I felt a little homesick, and I'm uh, starting to get a little attached to you all, and um, oh, man, I miss being in Calamasa, and it's, uh, I'm excited about what God is doing among us and what's going on here, so... Um, this week I bit the bullet and I got the Christmas decorations up outside. When you have kids, you got to be on the ball. And uh, we were already into the second week of December and my kids were letting me know another day. Each day the lights weren't up. I knew about it. So I bit the bullet this last week, went out there in the dark, got the lights up and uh, started getting it going. But uh, in the Chicarelli house, there's sort of a little Christmas 365 days a year. My son, uh, when I put my son to sleep, his favorite song to be sung when he goes to sleep is Silent Night. So for the last almost 365 days a year, for the last six or seven years, I've been singing Silent Night. <laughs> Just about every night. And uh, I'm glad that he loves that song because it kind of keeps me remembering Christmas all the time and remembering what this life is really all about. But I love those lyrics, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly, what? Peace. And then it repeats it again, sleep in heavenly peace. As I was singing it this week, uh, throughout the week, of course, preaching on peace today, it really kind of hit me. As I sat on the edge of his bed, sleep in heavenly peace. There's a lot of theology in that song, a lot of theology. We could spend forever just preaching out of that verse. But when you think of heavenly peace, it's different than just a generic peace. We're talking about the peace of heaven brought to mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. Heavenly peace. Think just a minute about the prayer our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will and his reign in heaven happens probably pretty good. And his prayer is that for us, his will would happen in the lives of people here on earth as well. Heavenly peace. A peace that happens when God reigns, when God reigns in the hearts of his people. Paul wrote in Romans 4.17 that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, joy, and peace. I have a question for you this morning. If you can think of all the commands in Scripture, all the commands in the Bible, which one would be the one that is spoken the most. Don't sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. The most common command in Scripture is don't be afraid. Fear not. 
do not be afraid. That is the most common command in all of Scripture. Let me take us back, as was read for us earlier, for the Advent candle lighting about the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I want us to do something here this morning. I want us to take what the angel said, what that great host said. I want us to proclaim it this morning. Can you do that with me? It's easy for us to just kind of sit here and listen to this wonderful, warm, fuzzy story about the angels that came to the shepherds and talked about Christ's birth. But I want us, I want us to kind of join in with the host, if you will. We're going to put verse 14 on there for you. And let's just say it out loud together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, I want you to do it like it means everything in the world to you. Does this mean everything in the world to you? I want us to say it like it means everything in the world to us. Let's try it again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Are you hearing the message? Are you hearing the message of the angels? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace Peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, perception is everything. It's often said that whatever your perception is of something, that's your reality of it. I don't know what your perception of peace is. We have different perceptions of peace in this world. A couple of years ago, I was driving in the car with my kids, and I don't know how the topic came up, but we were talking about peace for some reason. Maybe it was Christmas time. And I love what my daughter said. She just said, peace, peace, peace. I'm tired of peace. <laughs> I'm bored of peace. <laughs> what? Bored of pe- You're a preacher's daughter. How can you be, <laughs> that can be tired and bored of peace? Peace, peace. What, well, what is your understanding of peace? Well, you know, it means to be quiet. <laughs> you know, peace and quiet. I mean, I'm tired of being quiet. Thought, oh, okay. That's her perception of peace. It means to be still and be quiet. What's your perception of peace? Perception is reality. And this morning, I hope by the grace of God that we will discover and grow more in God's perception of peace for his people. Now I'm going to show you a picture. Um, Now this picture is skiing. Now I'm kind of excited because I live closer to the mountains these days. And so I don't remember the last time I've skied. It's been a long, long time. But um, that's skiing, and that's not what I look like when I ski, but that's skiing. Fresh powder, I mean that... That is the real deal. Now, I'm going to show you another picture and take you a second to figure out what's going on here. You see what's going on here? Now, that is not skiing. <laughs> They're trying hard, though. You've got to applaud their effort. Got a couple of kids there. One's on a longboard skateboard on the treadmill in a tuck position, getting all the speedy can, and his friend's got the fan blowing, I don't know what it is, detergent or something, just kind of <laughs> trying to make snow happen there. 
Now that is not skiing. When it comes to peace, there's peace and there's heavenly peace. And in this world, sometimes we can be grabbing and trying to get all the peace we can and it just doesn't seem to really do it for us. But Jesus came so that we might have heavenly peace. And that is the real peace. Today we're concerned with God's perception of peace. As followers of Jesus, his perception is the only perception that matters to us. Now let me take you back to a time when Christ was with his disciples, the book of Matthew. And here the scripture says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Mark chapter 4 says he said these words, Peace, be still. Can you imagine being there with Jesus on the boat? The waves are crashing over the boat. You're in the boat. You think you're going down for sure. You're going to die. You're going to drown. And you're calling out to your master, and he's asleep in the back of the boat. And you go back, and you say, Master, we're going to drown. And he gets up, and he looks us in the face, and he says, Oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Peace, be still. Calm, completely calm. That is the power of your master in your life. Peace, be still. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm sure your life is a lot like mine. You've been blindsided by things that you weren't expecting. Things that come upon you suddenly that that grab you and, and strike a chord of panic in your life. And you become afraid. And if you're not careful, you lose your faith in the greatness of God and begin to put your faith in your own power and your own ability to control a situation. And worry settles in. And then fear and then anxiety. And it goes on and it goes on. And Jesus is there and he says, Peace, be still. Please, he says, let me bring my peace to your situation." Remember, I am here. It was the 4th of July. I was about, I want to say, 14, 15 years old. And I had just started surfing about 14 years of age. And I didn't quite have it down packed yet, but, you know, thought I had. I had the board. I had the wetsuit. I must be a surfer, right? As long as you look like one and people didn't see you in the water too often, they may think you're one. Well, I was practicing a lot. It was the 4th of July, and um, I was going, and of course I wasn't driving yet, and so my transportation was my parents. Not too cool for a surfer. Piled aboard in the car with my sister. We take off to the beach. Thousands of people at Newport Beach. We used to call it Zooport. It's just full of people. And I went out surfing one morning, and there was a big swell, lots of big waves, the, the kind that you see in Surfer Magazine, just big and hollow, and you just, oh, your dream is to get inside that barrel and that tube and just, just ride it. Went out there, surfed a little bit, and then the lifeguard put up the, the flag that all surfers hate. It's yellow with a black ball on it, and it means no more surfing. So I had to come in, put the board away, and I thought, well, at least maybe I can, you know, body surf. 
So I went out there in these big waves, went body surfing, and um, just about died, literally. One of the scariest moments of my life, I went out and I got stuck in what's called the impact zone. It's right in that place where the wave just breaks right down on the water. And I was there in that zone and a wave came and hit me, drove me right down. I didn't know which way was up. I was praying, Lord, help me, save me, help me find up. I get up, ah, get a big breath of air. Right when I get a big breath of air, what do you think happened? Another one, boom, drove me down in. I'm down there, I'm twirling around. I get down so far that before I get up, I start to like let the air out. I get up, I get a little bit of water in my mouth, I get up, and as soon as I look up, here comes another one, hitting me again. This time I wasn't able to get as much air in my mouth, so when I went down, I got more water in my mouth. I'm down underneath the water, I'm tumbling, I'm turning, turning. I've gone past the praying stage. Guess what stage I now enter? The bargaining stage. (laughs) That's when you start making deals and promises, right? God, if you save me, I'll be nice to my sister, I'll obey my parents, I'll da-da-da-da-da-da, you start going down the list, you start wagering. I come back up, I spit more water out than I have air, and I get hit again. This time I go down with absolutely no air, a mouthful of water, and I'm just drinking water as I'm underneath, and I start to accept the fact that I think I'm going to die. I start seeing everything pass before my eyes, my my mom, my dad, my sisters, my friends, everything starts going, I just think I'm going to die. I will never see my parents again. I come back up, coughing, choking. And the greatest opportunity comes along to me, and this hand reaches out to me. It's a lifeguard. And he says, here, take my hand. Guess what I said? No, thank you. I'm okay. (laughs) Stupid. The pride of someone who wants to be a surfer, to get rescued by a lifeguard is like the lowest thing on the list. Take my hand. No, I'm okay. I'm glad that he'd been watching me and didn't take a chance. He did not wait for me to grab him. He grabbed me. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I may not be standing here today. Pulled me in and swam me back to shore. Meanwhile, while my uh, ego was completely crushed, I was thanking Jesus all the way back in got up to the beach and immediately distanced myself from him as soon as possible. (laughs) Went to my family, never told them what happened, (laughs) although I told them years later. Watched the news that night and looked at all the statistics of the people saved and go, I was one of those thousands today. Jesus comes into our life and he says, let me bring you peace. And sometimes through our actions and our habits and the things we try to work out in our mind, it's like we say, no thanks. I got it, God, it's okay, no thank you. But Jesus came to bring us peace, heavenly peace. I like the uh, acrostic for the word fear. Maybe you've heard this before. If you take each letter of the word fear, it can mean false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. 99.999% of the fears that we tend to have usually don't come about as reality. But we worry and we spend so much energy worrying about it. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Someone said the phrase, don't be afraid, turned inside out, is trust me. Trust me. Don't be afraid. The Bible, the subtitle could just be, trust me. I have a mentor 
been my mentor for about the last almost 20 years. One of the few great men that I know um, that have mentored me over the years. He does this. He takes the Bible. He says, John, always remember we want to live like this. We need the Bible to be the filter for what gets to our brain. We need God's word, his reign, his kingdom, his character to be everything we filter life through. And sometimes when I, instead of living like this, I kind of go into life like this. <laughs> go ahead, shoot. And the world's shooting at us all the time, all the time, filling our head with all kinds of things. And sometimes if we're not careful, we don't filter it through God's goodness, God's love, God's faithfulness. And we miss out on the peace of God. The Bible is filter. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, chapter 5, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You and I have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Is there anything else Anything else that's worth worrying about than to be made right with God. We have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we are offered the peace of God. To know God. To experience His peaceful presence. I love what one comedian said once. He said, the mind is a terrible thing. And it must be stopped in our lifetime before it kills somebody. Isn't the mind kind of an interesting thing? The mind plays tricks on us if we let it. It'll run around. It'll go through every nook and cranny. Before you know it, you're thinking things and worrying about things that we don't even need to be thinking about. That's why Jesus says, and Paul says, actually, in Romans 12, that we're invited to experience a transformation of the mind, a new way of thinking. You see, we have an opportunity to think in a whole different way because Jesus did come as a child here to this earth and died and lived for us and rose again. We can think completely different now because there's hope. There's life. I want to take us back to another story that I actually mentioned a couple weeks after I got here, but my life always seems to go back to this story. It's that somewhat familiar story about Mary and Martha. You remember Jesus went to their house and Martha was in the kitchen preparing the meal. And she was getting a little frustrated, a little worrisome, a little scattered. Martha came to Jesus and said, um, let me pick it up in verse 39. She, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. There's one thing that matters in this life. And it's being intentional about living in the presence of Jesus. That's the one thing. No matter what happens in our life, the presence of Jesus will never be taken away from us. We can be worried and upset and distracted about so many things, and we can come to Jesus in our prayers, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that this is happening? 
And maybe sometimes we just need to be reminded, John, John, you are worried and upset about so many things. But there's only one thing that matters, experiencing the peace of my presence. I don't know who said it, but somebody said this. If we seek his face, we will see his hand. But if we seek his hand, we may not see his face. If we seek his face, we will see his hand. But if we seek his hand, we may not see his face. Sometimes when I get a little stressed out, and I've gone through uh, some stress, I would say, you know, just kind of, you know, I shared the story about how God spoke and we decided it was time to move and everything, and there's a little bit of stress involved with that. There's a little bit of stress with moving the family and selling the home and moving into a new home and new community and all that type of stuff. And so there's times I find myself a little stressed and I need to stop. And there's a little spiritual exercise I like to do, one of many. And it's, it's a song. You remember that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Sometimes I'll just sit there and I close my eyes and I just sing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just to recenter and to remember that we serve an awesome God. Ephesians 2 says, for he himself is our peace. Let me share these words with you as well. And I appreciate the story that Jen told this morning. In fact, after she did the story, I thought we could just pray and go home. That's it, right there. What a great message. It's all right there. John 14 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He says in chapter 16, verse 33 as well, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's a couple of key words in those two verses. In the first one in chapter 14, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, Jesus never forces his peace on us. He's too full of love. He will never force his peace on us. He allows us to choose whether we want to accept his peace. And in chapter 16, he also says, in me you may have peace. He allows us to choose. But he says, let me tell you, in this world, it's not going to be a May thing. You will have trouble in this world. You will have trouble in this world. But in me, you may have peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Well, the Apostle Paul also taught us about peace. Kind of gave us a process of enjoying peace in his presence from chapter 4 of Philippians. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, sometimes I think 
I slip into a little trap of worrying or, or fear because I let my mind drift into things that are not true or noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy. Those are the things that, that the apostle invites us to think about. If we're not careful, we'll kind of slip in a way of kind of what I you heard the term stinking thinking. Sometimes we can go out in life and, and, and it's a hard life out there and we slip into that stinking thinking, thinking that's not of God, not of the kingdom, and we, and we get into not experiencing his peace. I have, uh, I have sometimes what's called white coat disease. Do any of you have that? You know what I'm talking about? Your blood pressure's fine until you go to the doctor's office. Take it at home, it's fine. Go to the doctor's office, well, it's high. <laughs> Call it white coat disease. I was talking to the nurse who was taking my blood pressure, and I was telling this. I said, you know, it's, it's fine at home. She goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, looks at me, she goes, it's all in your head. <laughs> I go, I know. I don't know what it is. It's all in your head. But sometimes, some of us here may also kind of suffer with uh, some worrying and some fear in our life. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes we're raised, you know. We're in a community that worries a lot or different things happen. Love my dad, godly man, learned a lot about Jesus' love from him in my life, but he was also a worrier. I got hit by a car once when I was about, I don't know, 10 years old. I was riding my bike, and this uh, automobile came, hit me from the side. I rolled up onto the hood, spun, hit my head on the windshield, then spun off, hit the ground, smacked my face right on the concrete. It hurt. <laughs> a lot. There was blood everywhere. Uh, my dad came, and he worked at a hospital, and he uh, got me in the car, and, uh, you know, I was breathing okay. I, I didn't know what was broken in me or what, but I, I, was, I knew I was alive and I knew what was going on. And all the way to the hospital, my dad was saying everything that could possibly be wrong. <laughs> By the time I got to the hospital, I thought I was dead. <laughs> I just, I finally, I got upset with my father. I said, Dad, can you just be quiet? <laughs> Maybe, hopefully, I don't have a concussion. Maybe, da, 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 I don't know. But I remember that conversation and I remember that moment. Got to the hospital, not one hairline fracture in my body. Not one. The doctor said it is a miracle that you don't even have a hairline fracture anywhere on your body. But my dad was telling me everything else was going to be wrong with me, possibly. You know, sometimes if we have peace in us, we bring that peace into the relationships that we have. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, parent, children, whether it's the classroom, whether it's a job, whether it's just going to the store. But God's peace within us, it's the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to live out of us, that we can bring peace into this world. If you remember as we started this whole journey on the fruit of the Spirit, Paul said, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. As we walk with the Spirit, as we walk with Jesus, as we give him our attention, he brings that peace into our life through his presence. And we extend that peace into the relationships that we have. One of my favorite prayers, I try to pray it every day, 
is a prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And it's entitled, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. The greatness of God is our peace. The prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. For he himself is our peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to bring us heavenly peace. And Lord, I pray that as we wrestle sometimes with fear and anxiety and worry, Lord, may you, by the, your grace, continue to give us a new vision of your kingdom and your love for us, to remind us that you're competent and capable of every single situation in this life. This whole life is not about what we can do and what we can't do and all the powers that we have and can use in this life. But Lord, it's about you. It's about your power, about your ability. We thank you that you came to offer us your peace. Fill us, Lord, with your peace. Take a minute now in silent prayer to sit in and enjoy and rest in the peace of Jesus. Now may the Lord of peace himself give us peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with us all. Amen.